This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. I want to just kind of continue in this series, and I don't know how far I'm going to go this morning. I might have to take a little break for a couple of weeks with the guest speakers that we have and, and resume this because I've gotten a, a number of feedback uh, on how it's been uh, ministering to people and taking notes and, and, and God speaking to them. So this is the eighth week in our series, as you know, and we're talking about spiritual apathy. Uh, I won't do a lot of recap here. Uh, this is part two on drifting. One of the main verses that we've been talking about here in Revelation is Jesus is speaking and he says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first or your first love, some translation says. You've abandoned that. And we talked about what that meant. And then Jesus goes on to say in, in verse six, he says, this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And that actually word in the Greek actually means to hate. And you think, well, does Jesus hate anything? There are certain things that Jesus hates. How many know Jesus hates evil penetrating the world? Amen. He hates sin. He hates destruction. He hates the abuse. All of these things. He's against these things. And Jesus says, you hate those works of the Nicolaitans. And, and what the works were was a man, Nicholas, who actually started off well, but imploded. And it got on some crazy doctrine. It was a doctrine of compromise, of lukewarmness. Um, it was kind of a mindset that said, hey, it's okay to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church or God's kingdom and his purposes for your life. And, and so, you know, you don't need to be so strict in your walk with the Lord. And, hey, take it easy. It's all good. And how many know what I'm talking about? Compromise. And that just permeates our society today, how the enemy is out there to cause us to compromise in our faith. <clears throat> you know, it says this, that God is repulsed by lukewarmness. And I shared this before that right now, going out in this snow, a nice hot cup of coffee just sounds really good. Amen? But you wouldn't want to go out there with ice cold, you know, Coca-Cola or something. In the summer, though, when it's really hot, you may <clears throat> like that or, or a, a cold shake or something like that. The point is, is that lukewarmness, God does not like. In other words, you're neither here, you're neither there. You don't have a made-up mind. Amen? You're double-minded. You, you really don't stand for much. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> and so Revelation 3, 15 and 16, we share this, that God says, I know your deeds. And he's talking to the church there in Revelation. You're not hot. You're not cold. I wish you were one or the other. <clears throat> so it's not God is only for the hot. He's for the cold, too, because how do you know a cold cup and a hot day is a good thing? Amen. So he's just saying, just be, be, you know, not lukewarm because you're lukewarm. He said, I'm ready to vomit you. Wow. Heavy words right there out of my mouth. First Corinthians 4, 2 said it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Stewards to be found faithful. In a gauge, I said this last week of our faithfulness is our level of lukewarmness our level of lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is the dying of conviction. It's the dying of conviction. Say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? Conviction often dies a slow death of what? A thousands and thousands of compromises along the way. See, a man doesn't have an affair overnight. 
That doesn't happen. There's been a thousands and thousands of little ebbs and flows and compromises and, 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 and with family, with uh, relationships, and you know, uh, in your marriage. And how many hear what I'm saying? And that's how the enemy works. It's like a chess game. You know, he doesn't go for the juggler right away. He just takes his time trying to get to reach our heart through deception. Amen. So, so we talked about isolation these last few weeks and how that when we isolate ourselves and we live in isolation, we cut off from the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of God, and we just isolate. You know, some people, they make this statement, they you know, I don't need anybody. I'm all good by myself. I'm going to make this happen by myself. You know, that's how I grew up. You know, just kind of basically out of my own. By the time I was 17, went into the Marine Corps, and I just kind of was like, you know, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And just, you know, I didn't really feel I needed anybody, any friends or anybody like that. And, and God really worked on me in my life and showed me that that was a fallacy that's not true. But isolation, and we're, we're open to Satan's attack when we isolate ourselves. We're open to his attack. And we're only isolated if we choose to be. Hebrews 2.1, we kind of left off with this. He said, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift. Can we whisper drift? Drift away from it. So in other words, as Christians, we leak. When we leave here today, we are leaking. <laughs> you know, that was a great message, Pastor Mike. You know, well, what was it? I just can't remember, but I know it was good. We leak, <laughs> you know. We just, we, it's just the way we are. I mean, how many just think what you ate? Six nights ago, if you're real you know, strategic in your diet, you know what that is. But if not, I can't remember what I had that morning. So we got to listen carefully. We said this about drifting. It means to flow by, to slip away, to flow past, to, to glide past. Uh, hence, I am lost. It means to perish merely. Or it means I drift away. I fall away from my duty. And so we, we started last week with this, what causes Christians to drift from their faith, from away from God. <clears throat> and we talked about in the last times, you know, there's going to be some that will depart from the faith. And, and that's what we're talking about, drifting Christians, drifting Christians. Jesus said this is something that, that's going to be indicative of the last days, that Christians will just kind of, some of them, not all, not all. I believe the church is getting stronger, amen? I believe God's kingdom is getting, uh, uh, having more of an impact, even though there's crazy stuff that's going on in our world. There's good news. The gospel is still good news, still good news, amen? And we're winning. God's winning. And so we kind of ended off with this, our first point in Drifting Christian. What, what happens? We have this out-of-control schedule. Ephesians 5.16 says, to redeem the time because the days are evil. And the Apostle Paul, when he refers to time, it refers to a moment of time, not a lifetime. So I want you to get that. I'll try to help explain that here. One of Satan's greatest strategies uh, against our generation seems to be his ability to make good people busier than ever before. Isn't that right? Work demands, school demands, after-school activity demands, weekend games, uh, weeknights, sporting events, um, competitions, out of state. How many hear what I'm saying? All these things we're impacted with. To actually, to redeem the time, in the Greek, it actually means to make the most of it or every opportunity. To redeem, it goes on to say, in this context means buying something out completely to leave nothing on the shelf. Let me give you an illustration with this. That 
Uh, we all have our places where we like to shop and get groceries, right? And certain things that we like, you know, now my wife does all of the Walmart online order, drive up, and they load it and you leave. Someone deserves to be a millionaire that thought of that. Amen? <laughs> you don't have to face Walmart. And, and, and so she does that. What do you like? And it's just, you know, this, this, that. Oh, I like this type of like that. They load it up and it's, you don't have to find any. It's just one. And it's free. It's free. <laughs> Anyhow. But... I like, the men's mall is Menards, Fleet Farm, okay? Come on, guys. You know what I mean? Tools, tool section. But they have refrigerators there, and they started selling pizzas, and they have milk and cream. And one time I was walking by, I'm like, you know, what is this? It's not a grocery store. This is a guy's mall. What's going And I saw the milk was under $2 a gallon for 2%. I have not seen milk. I mean, you pay three fifty dollars in some places. 2%, and it's the best type milk, the one I really like. I remember grabbing and going, is this right? You know, I took a couple of gallons because just my wife and I, we were going to drink all that milk, put it in my carriage, and I thought, I have something that nobody else knows. That lasted a week. I knew a guy that worked here, and I said, how come? I showed up one day, and I went, the milk's all gone. Somebody got wind, and some of you found out that $2. Well, now they have it back now, and the price is jacked. But that's what it means to clear the shelves. That's what it means to redeem the time. It's like, buy it all up, everything at that moment. Some of you ladies say, amen. You know, get something 25% off. It's like, means it's... More than 25%. Get something 50% off. Buy one, get one free means you're, you're basically free. You're buying stuff for free, right? Out of control schedule to redeem the time. Say, so, okay, how do I? How do I redeem the time? You know, one thing, especially those of you that travel and you commute a lot, whether it's car, truck, or whatever, that time can be a very productive time. Amen. It can be very productive, even if it's a 30-minute jog. I remember attending a church out in Ashby. The Destiny Church was country Bible at that time, and so it was exactly 28 miles from where I was. And I went through 10 years of John Maxwell leadership teaching and, I mean, cassettes. I loved cassettes. It was hard for me to break from cassette because you can start and stop and still end off with you. Anyhow, it was hard for me to break from it, but I would listen. I had tons of cassettes, and I learned so much just commuting instead of having, well, she left me or some kind of whatever. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Okay. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <clears throat> but redeeming the time. Your, your vehicle could be your prayer closet. There was times I've had worship on and driving back. I got so excited I had to pull off the road and just overwhelm my God's presence and just in worship and just kind of resume. And how many know what I'm saying? I mean, you can redeem the time everywhere you have, but you have to be intentional about it. Amen. And um, so, so that's uh, part. I mean, this, so those are some of the things. You know, here, let me just interject this, too, because of our nation. Rest is not a waste of time. Did you get that? Sometimes we think, okay, rest, got to keep going, going. I'm not talking about that. Rest is not a waste of time. And you need to schedule times of rest for your life. Can you say amen? All right. Second point here. I think this is as far as we're going to get. Misplaced affections. 1 John 2.15 says, Jesus said, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. <clears throat> if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Mm. <clears throat> what does that mean? We need to be watchful and not set our hearts on things that really don't matter in the large grand scale of things in the light of eternity. What do you mean? 
who was a pastor for over 25 years, I have witnessed good people get lured away from church life and small groups because they have fallen in love sometimes with things, just got busy and <clears throat> activities and a lot of stuff that sometimes has no eternal merit. For example, and, and I'm going to temper this, so please don't shut me down. Children's sports can be a thrilling activity. It sure can. I mean, my kids were involved in it, <clears throat> and, and it's fun for your kids to pursue and to better themselves. But if those sports begin to adversely affect the spiritual involvement and develop your family, then we need to pull the plug. Some of you are thinking, oh, my God, he has no idea what he's talking about. Sports, especially in Alexandria, at times can be idolatrous. I've been there. I've had my kids in them. And, and I have had parents next to me screaming and having a fit over my son who's running a race or something and thinking, <laughs> he's my son, you know, and, and just know the stats and know everything more than I don't even know, you know, I know about it. And we attended every game we could. We drove, at times we'd drive three hours for a two-minute race. All right, so we did. But my son loves to run. He loves that. How many with me say amen? I am not anti-sports. Please hear that. I enjoy weightlifting. I've done it for over 30 years. I love it. Some of you think, oh, I love the exercise. It's just, it, it, the whole body, it gets, you know, it's like all the impurities leave me when I leave the gym and they stay there. <laughs> I feel that. It's like, yes, you know. And anyhow, it's just a personal thing, but <clears throat> many other, you understand, most of you understand. But, but uh, I'm not anti-sports. Kids need to be challenged physically. They do. Not sitting behind that blue screen, playing a video game to 3 a.m., amen. That's not going to challenge them. So, so I'm not against that. But watch this. <clears throat> Doctors have noticed a, wor a worrying trend over the past two decades in America. It goes on to say more and more parents are obsessing over their kids' athletic careers. Parents would spend all of the family's money. They would spend, spend all of the family's time. And some parents would ignore all the other children. Wow, how sad. They would ignore school to some extent, and some would just push that child or children to be successful. You know, we used to meet with, uh, first with the Discovery, uh, we were at the Alexandria Technical College for two years at night, and then in 2002 to 2006, we were at Discovery Middle School in their auditorium, because we didn't, we didn't have any facility. So we did Church on the Wheels and set up, and typically when you show up, it's a large parking lot, many of you know the, the, the school, the middle school there, Discovery. Well, about between three or four times a year, they would have swim meets on a Sunday morning. Here, a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And I'm telling you, I could not have no place to park when I pull in there and went, oh my gosh. A banker one time drove by and he goes, wow, Pastor Mike, you sure got a lot of people coming to your church. Uh, it was a meet. It was a swim meet. Come on, how many with me say amen? It was a swim meet, and that means the parents got up, got them kids up, and we were there. Oh, Sunday morning for church. Wow. It's... So you guys are the generals here that you showed up in this weather. And some people literally were stuck. I mean, even poor Kathleen was stuck for 20 minutes trying to get out. So, so but, but the point I'm trying to make is, and tempering all this, is that, that there's a worrying trend that these doctors had, and they developed a name for this extreme behavior, and, and it's called achievement by proxy distortion. Think about that. 
The idea is that if the kids are successful, the parents feel successful. The parents may have good intentions, but the behavior can be extremely harmful to children. Boy, I've noticed that firsthand. It can, it can lead to a lot of anxiety for the kids. Come on now, parents, amen. Kids, some get depressed. It could have a family disorder, and there could be traumatic childhood experiences. Anything that takes away from your kid to be able, I'm gonna just go out on a limb right now and say it, especially young couples who's having kids, that takes your kid away from a connection to the things of God, I would really question that. Amen. I'm just telling you where they can't be in youth group or they can't be with children to be hear the word of God. What's going to happen? They're going to get 18, 22, 24. And they're going to when it's Sunday morning, you're going to wonder, why don't my kids go to church? Because you didn't bring them. Amen. Oh, wow. I'm just really going off the deep end now. <laughs> How many love me? Say amen. It was almost all of you. Not all. Okay. How do I nicen this up? Um, I know firsthand about this, and I'm speaking from experience, my wife and I. As a kid, I wasn't allowed to participate in any sports, hence that's where weightlifting, because nobody would pick me up from school. Nobody. It was eight of us. We were like animals running around, all eight of us. Who's going to pick us up? <laughs> a bunch of little stumps running around. You know, it's like somebody, I lived like six miles away. If I stayed and I qualified for football and, and then in, in track, nobody would pick me up. You're on your own. A few times I walked home those six miles. And uh, so, so I remember qualifying for a track meet, and actually I was okay. You know, I went 50 yard dash back then, 100 yard dash. How many remember those? They don't have those anymore, but, or maybe they do, but I, I just remember qualifying, and it came time for the race. And so here I am, watch this. At the race, I had dress shoes on, tight, you know, slacks with bell bottoms. And that's what I was running the race in. And I looked and everyone had outfits and, you know, sneakers and everything. And I won that race, even in that. But the point was, is nobody was looking after me. You don't know who, you know, who, we, you know, today that would be horrified. That, those parents would go to jail. What have you done? How could you? you know, I just ran it in the shoes and the, <laughs> the tight slacks and the bell bottoms. Amen. So, but my kids were very involved in sports. They played volleyball, Destiny, Mariah ran track, and Zach did not only track, cross country, swim, and high jump, and he went to state. He actually ran a 425 mile one time. Uh, that, that's pretty fast. 40 years ago or 50 years ago, he had been a world champion at that time, that speed. So, but he loves to run. He loves to run. And he was involved with the Alexander swim team. And he went to a state a number of times in the backstroke. He loved uh, the 800 meter. That was kind of what he was actually in the top 10 in the state to run the 800 meter at Hamlin University uh, for high school track. He also ran in college in Aberdeen uh, at university for a few years. He loves to run. He likes to do that. Here's the thing. Parents, wanting your child to be a college athlete or even play sports professionally, I think that's a great goal to have. And let me just temper this. It needs to be tempered, parents, with the sense of understanding that most likely your kid is not going to be a professional player. Let me just read the stats. Amen? Just bring us down to reality here. The odds of going pro. We're talking about misplaced affections. Okay? I have witnessed families that vicariously the dad is trying to live through their kid. Come on now. That, that oh, he's, she's a good runner and, and you know, she made the high school. She's on the board and they are possessed by this. 
Amen. They're possessed by this, that, that their kid, their kid, their kid, and they're living through, and then eventually they blow up the whole family. Kids wonder why, you know, dad was there. What was wrong? Odds of going pro, about 0.03%. That's three in 10,000 NBA drafts, high school seniors. Three in 10,000. <clears> um, that's roughly the chance of getting four of a kind in the first round of draw polka. It's not going to happen, most likely, okay? Football is slightly better. 0.08% of those becoming pro. Now, the sport with the most opportunities is, drum roll, baseball. Actually, baseball is 0.4% of playing professionals. So I would encourage you, you know what, if your kid has any desire to learn a musical instrument, learn that. Encourage them, play piano, whatever. Because when they're done with high school and that's all over and all that pro thing is just kind of, I really wanted that, they'll at least have something to carry with them the rest of their life. Amen. Music teachers, shout amen. We don't have any music. It's all sports people in here. I am not anti-sports, please. I, I love sports. I think it's great. But I don't love it more than God. I don't. Some people you talk about, oh, you know, the Viking stats or the Patriots, you know, bring that up. Oh, I know, yeah, so his stats is that. Do you have anything else you can talk about? There's nothing else. There's no depth there. How many with me? Say amen. So we need to be careful, parents, not to pressure our children into trying to follow in our footsteps or, or all that. So misplaced affections cause us to get off track spiritually and can cause our family members to drift Spiritually, I'm just going to end with this next one here. Discouragement, discouragement, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. We're talking about what, things that cause us to drift. And a lot of this stuff is not just something you just go out and you intend to do. It just happens in life. Life happens. But the enemy uses these things. He uses these things to get us sidetracked. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says, For this light, momentarily, a momentary affliction, I want you to think about that, that it says light, momentary affliction. When we're in affliction, we don't think it's light and we don't think it's momentary. But the Bible says that these are light, our, our affliction in this world. It's light, it's momentary. But it is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. God's kingdom is not seen physically in a sense. We see the manifestation of it and the exercise of it through God's kingdom and his church and his people, amen? <clears throat> but the eternal thing, the, the unseen realm is the things that are eternal. It'll last forever, okay? And once again, I've often watched Satan using his weapon of discouragement. There's been seasons in my life as a pastor, extremely discouraged, extremely discouraged just about of moving forward and, and how the, the enemy want to drag you away from the things of God. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, like Bible reading and study and worship and teaching. You know, here's the thing. If you feel like you're in a wilderness, you just feel hollow. You just feel, I just, I'm not feeling, I, I, I love God, but I am just, I just am not feeling it. I want to encourage you, don't quit. Just keep pressing in. Days of refreshing will come in your life. Days of refreshing. Right now I'm experiencing that. I'm entering in and it's just, it's, it's, it's precious. It's precious where I begin to worship, begin to pray. I'm overwhelmed. I'm listening to worship music and I, I feel God so near, but it wasn't like that all the time. Okay? Did God leave me? No. He 
He is forever with us. He is with you. He is with you, walking with you. But you don't feel his conscious sense presence. It doesn't mean he's not there, okay? Just stay consistent. Stay plugged in. Stay with your spiritual disciplines, amen? So, so trials of life can cause us to get discouraged and, and we begin to focus on the problems. And what happens is we take our eyes off of Jesus and we put it on, oh my God, our finances. Oh my goodness, this. Oh my God, our kids, you know, all this, all that. And we take our eyes off, we get all caught up in that and we begin to sink. How many remember the scripture in Matthew when it talks about Peter? Jesus said for him to come out which is an impossibility. Humans cannot walk on water, but this was a miracle. And if the miracle that worker is there and he says, come, how many know you can come? And, and so he walked out. But the Bible says that when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. He says, save me, Lord, he shouted. Immediately, the Bible says, Jesus was there and he, he reached out his hand and, and pulled him up. See, Peter did great until he, until he took his eyes off of Jesus. Isn't that right? Until he began to look around and he, he began to look at the waves beneath him, the clouds. And you know what? I thought about that. I'd do the same thing. Because if I'm out there and walking in water, I'm thinking, how is this thing working? I would be like, this is, I, I, I am walking on water. And, you know, I probably would have sank really quick. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying. My point is, is that it's important for us to know that when life's clouds grow dark from our trials, they become fierce. <clears throat> that is the time, hear me, to run to Jesus and not run from him. Amen? Deuteronomy 31.8 says, He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Stand with me if you would, please. Worship team, you can come forward. Amen. Praise God. I just want to conclude in, in prayer here, a prayer for those of our television audience, those listening to audio. You've never accepted Christ. You've never surrendered your life to him. This is a great day. The Bible says now is the time. Today, today is a great day for salvation. And perhaps those of you may be listening or watching or here present this morning, and you don't have that made up mind. You've never really truly surrendered your life, confessed Christ, I'd like us to pray corporately. Uh, you're, you're not joining this church, but you're joining the family of God. Let's just go in a, a prayer of repentance for those of you that say, Pastor, I want to get right with God. I want to get right with him. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my life. Now take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320 759 1400 at Church for the Harvest, you belong.